0: Welcome to Comeback Journeys in Recovery. Inspirational interviews with those who are recapturing their peak wellness after a trauma such as an addiction, major accident or illness or bereavement. We'll also hear from professionals on ways you can regain your own peak wellness. I'm David Shadbolt and my wish for you is that you'll discover more friendships, confidence, joy and energy as you lead a more fulfilling life. Episode 3, Recovering from Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, a conversation with Shia Mullendyke, Lieutenant Colonel, United States Air Force. Good morning, Um, I'm David Shadbolt, founder of Peak Symmetry, and I am talking this morning with Shia Mullendyke. She is the director of Yoga Fit for Warriors. Shai, would you please introduce yourself?
1: Yes. Hi. So glad to be with you. Um, I am the director of the Yoga Fit for Warriors program. Uh, it's a program that initially uh, I created with the help of um, several other people for Yoga Fit to help people with PTSD in the military. Uh, There was this incredible need in my military, I'm actually in the military, Um, I was active duty for 10 years, I've been in the reserves now for almost, well actually over 14 years. Uh, My husband is now retired military but served uh, 26 years active duty in the Air Force and I was raised military, I was a military brat, Um, I, I moved all over the place and I loved it, it was a good life. Uh, there were the challenges, um, and then I ended up joining the military and saw increased challenges there for lots of different reasons. Um, but this was this is a whole new challenge that my military um, has been dealing with, with the suicide rates, uh, incredible amounts of anxiety, depression, substance abuse, uh, part of that equation. And I was trained as a clinical, um, social, I'm, sorry, I'm not sorry, uh, counselor mental health training over in Europe, in Germany. While I was on active duty, I got my master's in counseling, and I did a year on the psychiatric ward at Landstuhl Regional Medical Center, which is where our troops, uh, to include American and Canadian forces, um, are brought back to, uh, to get treatment for physical wounds, but also mental wounds. And so I was there in 2003, uh, to kind of backtrack here, 2003, I did a year on the psych ward. And I was I was able to put into place what I was classically trained in at the time and still is the gold standard in mental health world, cognitive behavioral therapy. And so basically, I was taught how to talk to people. I'm a pretty good talker, uh, I thought of myself as, but I really wasn't getting through, nor did I feel effective at all. So after four years of going through, uh, I would say, quite intense schooling, as I'm also on active duty in the military, I really felt quite frank, helpless to help people. It was a, it was really not a good time in my life. Um, it, it made me feel like, well, what what can we really do here? I mean, I have good, all the good intentions to help. But at the end of the day, I really had no tools to deal with what I was uh, seeing on the ward at the time and the people I was talking with. These At the time, it was mostly young men between the ages of 18 and, and 24 who were being admitted. And, and, and one of them... I tell this story a lot, but one of them said to me at the end of a session, and he said, you know, I really don't care what you say to me Uh, when I leave here, because they're there for about three days, we stabilize and usually that means medication. Um, After three days, I'm going to leave here and kill myself. And I was like, and it was like a gauntlet had been thrown down. And I had just, you know, spent every ounce of my energy trying to, you know, convince him, obviously, this wasn't the right plan. There was other ways. And I said, you know what? He's right. At the end of the day, he is right. There's absolutely nothing I can say or do to stop him. If he really wants to kill himself, he can walk out of here and do that. And he very well might. And I don't know what happened to that man, um, or I should say man, young boy. Uh, It really bothers me to this day. I wish I did. But what it did was sort of pull me off the path of mental health work. I I just felt like I could not be effective. That really uh, put me in a bad place in, in that time. That's a snapshot. Fast forward, I had started yoga in 1998 from a personal injury. I was a runner, like a lot of people in military are, and um, my T-band basically pulled out from my knee one day, and so it started me on the yoga path, and I was so happy to find, I mean, in hindsight, gosh, what a blessing that that injury was, like so many of our traumas at the time, Um, and that was traumatic as a runner when you can't run. To find yoga from that has been the salvation of my life, and so thank goodness that happened, Uh, but Converging onto this place in time, I'm in 2009-10, is when these ideas kind of came to me. I was like, you know, I now feel like I have the tools, primarily through my yoga practice. Uh, the somatic awareness and understanding, plus at the same time these new developments that i know you 're aware of in the field of neuroscience, interpersonal neurobiology, these wonderful fields of advanced awareness about that we are not just you know separate from our bodies that we 're intimately tied to them, and that the work that we do to heal people. And the work that they do happens here. And now I learned, now I know how to talk to this, but I wasn't taught how to talk to the body. I was taught how to talk to the frontal lobe. So it was so nice to all of a sudden go, oh my gosh, I actually feel like I have the tools. I have this new understanding. Um, let's put them all together. So I brought my military experience to bear uh, my, my training and counseling. Cause there is a place for talk therapy It happens. Maybe not the first thing to do, but later down the road, you certainly need to know how to talk to people. And then um, the body just being the key that the, the the keys to the kingdom, as I say, right here. So, it all came together, and with a, some brilliant minds who were the catalyst for this. Um, the, the alchemy brought Yoga Fit for Warriors, and we have been on a fast pursuit since then. So that we launched it in 2013, the summer of 2013, um, and we've trained. Um, I dare say, I, I really don't keep accurate records. I know Yoga Fit does, but you know, thousand plus people, and uh, have had an impact. We've been at forty different bases across the world. Um, in fact, we go to um, overseas quite often, and it's just a, you know, you're, you know it's a labor of love. And I just get, I'm so lucky I get to do it. That's my job.
0: <laughs> That's quite a story. I'm very, very impressed, and uh, really congratulate you on putting this together because um, healing does take a lot of work, and it's not just talk therapy. Because personally, I'm recovering from alcoholism. Almost 30 years ago, I got into recovery. And it wasn't until a few years later, quite a few years later actually, that I realized there was a lot more healing to do around personal trauma. And if I hadn't had an opportunity to access some of what you're talking about back then, I'm sure I would have made a lot fewer mistakes than I actually made. So um, one of the... Um, what was the reaction? I wanted to ask you. What was the reaction to the first event that you taught? What did you actually perceive during that um, session? Well, how long does a how long does it take? For example, it's a series of classes, correct?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a hundred hour program, so it's pretty in in depth, pretty intense. Uh, we break it up though, so it's it's modular so we have um, two-day workshops and people have to do five of those literally every two-day workshop is 20 hours of a 100-hour program so we have five different workshops five different classes that um, bring it all together but the first workshop that i created uh, that really is the i would say the foundational stone of the program is is called warriors also so it's the name of a workshop and also the whole program but it's focused on ptsd in the military so that was in July of two thousand and thirteen had it uh, at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, so a big army base twenty six people showed up. a lot of them were our students in yoga fit who were excited they were wanting to help the suicide rates of course you i know a lot of people have heard the number twenty two suicides a day I, I don't think we have an accurate count um, that's a hard number to get your um head around like that many people, but it was high. We were losing people, even though resources were just being thrown at it by the military. It's not for lack of trying or caring. It was for, I think, really lack of the tools really needed, um, to help people that, that truly help people. And I said, okay, something has to be done. And, and you know, it starts with me, the buck ends here. So I, uh, together with another trainer, we did this two days and I truly, I didn't know, you don't know until until you're doing it, how it's going to, how it's going to flow and if it's going to feel good, if it's going to resonate and you're going to get that wonderful feedback from people and you're going to know if we have something here or not. I mean, I had done the work for about eight months in preparation and I know it had transformed me. I just didn't know how it was going to relate. And boy, did it. Um, it was just an, a magical experience, magical experience. So, um, we took people through the pro through the two days. Um, and it's a series of we, we break it up into learning, into yoga, bring it back, and then um, do some group work together. So it's a lot of different you know, learning modalities there over the two days. But that was just the beginning. Uh, the other workshops are, that are a part of it uh, go more into depth into uh, the brain. It goes into the HPA axis, how important the hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal axis, our stress response, how that gets wired Um, From actually a very small age or very young age usually we're sort of predisposed to this thing called PTSD And so we try to throw every bit of understanding Um, Understanding is really key not blame Um, a, A deep deep understanding for what's going on in this person allows us to see with an expanded vision a new understanding here That is beyond anything. We're taught in the medical model Western medical model and the Western psychotherapeutic model that the brain just decides to disorder itself You know, post-traumatic stress disorder is a sort of a contentious name. Most people call it post-traumatic stress now. They've dropped the D. You know, the brain didn't disorder itself. It actually is a very orderly, um, adaptive response to incredible stress. To survive it, it had to do what it did, but it's very much like Humpty Dumpty, fell off the wall. Now we got to try to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And it can't just be just work with the mind or just treat the body And by the way, we don't have very effective tools in the Western world, as you know. Uh, The two ones that are authorized in the military, this is kind of an interesting thing by the Veterans Administration, the VA, which has come under intense scrutiny and fire lately, of course, um, very much in the news. But the only things they're allowed to do are to give out pills, prescriptions, right? And the other one is cognitive behavioral therapy that is the only authorized treatment by the VA. Don't get me wrong. They're doing other things on the side. There's recreational therapists. There's um, some other stuff. But is that the main course of treatment? No, it's not. Because why? They've been waiting sometimes 18 months to see a provider, a medical provider. And what do they do? They got 10 to 15 minutes with this person. And what do they hand out? Well, the quick answer is, Let's get the prescription pad out, right? Then plus that's 99% of what they're taught in uh, medical school, right, is psychopharmacology. So they hand out pills, and then they refer them on for counseling. They're supposed to do a follow-up. Of course, that's a wonderful thing. But we know this isn't a see, see a counselor for three to six times and you're better kind of deal. This is a lifelong, as you know, in recovery, lifelong recovery process here. Has to be a part of your daily practice. Cannot be just something you go every six weeks, go see the doctor, get your... Get your fix for you know an hour and then you're better. And that's just not a good plan. Um, so we feel like we had to instill these principles uh, lifelong, every day. Um, like you brush your teeth. This is the stuff that we do. Very similar, I think, to the to the skills you're taught and the understanding of um, every day. Wake up and and do your recovery. It's an every single day kind of thing. And yoga is. For me, was the path for it. There's lots of other things. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't discard any healing treatment modality, any tool. We need as much as we can get. But what works the most, and we're just finding more and more stages, are finding yoga and meditation, mindful movement, works the best by by far for long term. Long term.
0: Well, I know that uh, if looking at my recovery, if I had not um, uh, started a meditation practice 20 odd years ago. And I'm also eat holistic food, organic food for almost 30 years and exercise on a regular basis. I don't think I'd be here today.
1: Totally. I agree. You have to do this. It's an inside job. We have to learn how to, you know, we have to do that inside work. And it's just like comparative to a garden. And so what what are you going to get? You have to give good nutrients, right? That's the food has to come. I think food's really important. I think sugar has to be looked at in that regards. Um, you know, what kind of energies around it? Where are you planting your garden, <laughs> right? Surround yourself with good community, good people. That's a big predictor right there, as you know. Um, and, and like you said, you have to start with a good seed. So where do we? where is that seed? It's within us here, right, in the heart area. Talk about, um, you know, germinating that seed with love and a, a ton of compassion. I would think 90% of it's compassion and love. And then the tools of work. Only then.
0: So at what point did you realize or someone realize that what you're offering to the military is also transferable to first responders, let's say, the police, the fire departments?
1: You know, that was what's was brilliant about it. So we teach a, a concept called polyvagal theory. Uh, Dr. Porges, Stephen Porges, um, coined that term and really created the theory back in 1994. He's still alive today. He's an amazing man. I have to give him credit. We study his work a lot. Um, It's become sort of the mainstay in a lot of the somatic, the body treatments in the world of psychology, which there is a shift in the mental health world to, hey, we've forgotten the body. (laughs) We got to figure out the body. And he says, well, actually, it's the nervous system. And he says there's, a, there's um, layers to this nervous system. And when we're in a stressful experience, a traumatic experience, um, it's like an operating system on your phone. The body's nervous system will automatically, just like your phone or your computer, will go to the newest operating system first, right? And then if that doesn't work, it'll go to the next one. It's more sequential, more systematic, uh, more discrete in its response capacity. And so he says, so when you're in a stressful situation, I'll say, okay, I'll try to do this first system. We're going to try to make friends first. Well, if, it, you know, if, if it's not going to work out, like I see a shark in the water, I'm not making friends with a shark. I've got to, that circuit because it takes a lot of energy to try to make friends, right? The circuit breaker takes up so much energy. The body unconsciously, this is, this is a very interesting part of it, shuts down. Then the next system comes online because that's our fight-or-flight system, comes from the reptile era, and it says, okay, I'm going to fight this shark. And actually the first response is really to run away. That's actually the natural, organic, human, across culture responses to run away, to live, to fight another day. You actually have to program in the fight, which is very important when you're talking military first responders PTSD how do you you cannot you have to train that's what we do training that's why they they do these training drills over and over again because the natural instinct is actually to get away from the danger right run away from it not to turn towards it not to fight it that does something interesting the, the neural level the brain level and also wires the body almost hardwires it towards that fight response mm. and so now you're starting to understand a little bit more hey Wow, this is not just applicable to the military, of course. This is applicable to anybody who is trained, like our first responders, to turn towards the gunfire, to turn towards the blast, right? To go into danger, even though organically we're not supposed to do that. What, is that? what are the costs? Because there is a tremendous amount of Alice, what we would call a high energy load to that, to hold that for long periods of time. Say you're police and fire. Oh, my gosh, they have my utmost respect. Because they're not just going to war one time and coming home after a year living their lives. They walk out their threshold, their door, and they're going to battle every single day. And so that's a there's going to be a cost to that, holding that for the rest of us. And, you know, we stand on their shoulders. We are here because of them. And I'm so grateful. But boy, at what cost? What cost? And so I have to give back to them. They are, I, as far as I can, in my experience in just these three years, the worst who have PTSD, the worst are the police. The ones I've experienced in fire, any our EMTs. Oh my gosh, EMTs are just wow. Are they? Are they committing suicide too? They, they just go through the ringer every single day. I can't imagine. So um, I, you know, the first responders are right there with them. But anybody who works in that sort of um, triage situation, we have mental health workers who do psychological triage. Who are like, okay, they're the ones, the first person you call, and someone's you know wants to commit suicide, or they've seen something horrific, and they go to help those people. There's vicarious secondary trauma. It's expanded so much. It, you can apply this lens of understanding through polyvagal theory to pretty much everybody. Everybody I meet, I look at them through a lens of understanding, not of judgment, uh, not of how am I going to fix this person, but what went, where did the train go off the track here? Where were we wired differently, and how do I work within that understanding? I mean, it, so it changes my relationships, not just with the people I work with, but with my family, my friends. I have this deep, deep understanding. Um, and compassion because I because if it didn't happen in their jobs most likely it happened in childhood
0: (laughs) yes which brings me back to um, the reason I got interested in Yoga Fit for Warriors I saw that one of the modalities focuses on addiction yes and um, I gathered from some of the content that I read that you feel, and I know from observation and, and uh, reading myself, and talking with other people, that a lot of people in recovery uh, are suffering from trauma at oh, some I'd say point. Majority. Yeah. majority, yeah. So, at what point, or who took it upon themselves to say, "Well, hey, this is applicable to people in uh, rehab as well"? Um, who who came up with this idea? So I think it's fantastic. You know, it's great.
1: It's a great idea. I, I, I hate to say I came up with it. You know, that inspirational thought I always give came from somewhere else. Right. So yeah, that inspired thought. But it also kind of was a forehead moment because um, not only when and especially I'm, again, I'm, I'm coming from the military standpoint, I'm coming from the PTSD. Almost 100 percent of the time, these people were self-medicating these people, most of it either being prescription pills. Oh, because, oh, by the way, the military was giving them the pills. I mean, I, I don't want to throw the military under the bus. I really don't. I love it. But I have to say with that being the only treatment they were given, like clonopin Xanax, um, you know, Ambien, uh, you know, you can't walk into a doctor's office in the military and say you have PTSD for, for various reasons, but you can say, Hey doc, I'm not sleeping very well. Mm. So there, or I have chronic pain, chronic pain is, you know, always goes in there with it too. constant chronic pain. So they, give them pills, you know, um, so they take all the pills and that starts another path. But uh, so many were, um, you know, alcohol, lots of alcohol abuse. Alcohol is a lot, a lot of time glamorized in the military, has been for years. They're trying to obviously go away from that, but I'll tell you, it's still a major problem. And then of course the pills that they were actually being officially prescribed, right? <laughs> they didn't have to go onto the street and take heroin. They were actually given, you know, quite powerful medication. So um, I think to be truthful with you, that was a, um, you know, there's lots of disagreement on this or maybe, I don't know, disagreement, but discussion about it. I think that lent itself to the high suicide rates. A lot of those, um, pharmaceutical drugs have side effects and they're not side effects are direct effects that say can cause suicidal ideation. So I I just, I, I can't get away from the pills being a problem here, a major problem. So it was just hand in hand. Every single one I said, what's a sign of PTSD? And everyone said, um, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. I said, well, that's actually <laughs> not a not a clinical sign of it. It's It goes along with it. And so it was just a natural sort of progression. It also happened to correspond, of course, with the um, just unbelievable epidemic of painkillers, opiates, uh, the suicide from that, the overdose rates from that. And so I had not only my first intention was to help people in the military uh, deal with their substance abuse or another path, a new understanding through polyvagal, but then all of a sudden I had moms or sons, addicted to heroin. Um, It just led me down this different rabbit hole that then led to the next workshop, which was kids warriors, because every single one of them, if you, if you kept following the bread trail, as you know, in recovery, every, almost every time it went back to childhood, even if they didn't say, you know, I had a pretty good childhood, nothing major. If you just dig a little deeper, all of us, I mean, we're not going to get, come out unscathed here. All of us nobody had a perfect childhood. And so it just said, God, we got to go back to the source. We're doing triage here as adults. What if we taught this to children? Can we, just like we give them vaccines, can we inoculate to some degree their nervous system, teaching them mindfulness, the ability to um, self-regulate their emotions, this self-efficacy, you know, the strength, the confidence of knowing who they are and that they have the ability to regulate their emotions. Would that help as much as the armful of vaccines we give, you know, our troops? I said, my gosh, this is exhausting over here. It's I love it. It's a labor of love, but we cannot stem this tide. <laughs> if we're going to do any good down the road, we've got to get it into our, our schools. We have to get in. There's like a precarious time there between the age of five and seven that you have to work with. And so it's really been a lovely journey. It has led me to where I'm at leading a whole new Kids Warriors program, a 100-hour program, because we have an explosion of ADD. Oh, and you know this fact. Almost 100% of addicts meet the criteria for ADD. Now you – yes. So how, why is that, right? Oh, they're two separate things. No, they're not. <laughs> what happened? Go back. We all we got to go back, you know. And, and with again, with this new lens of understanding, it just um, – it, it brings just a deep, deep – for me, a place of deep peace that I know now. Who, whoever walks into my workshop, I I can scan their bodies. I can feel their their presence, their emotional, energetic presence. And and no matter what they tell me through their mouth, I can I can work with them through their bodies. I go, at your mouth, your mind saying one thing, but your body's saying a whole other thing, and it's just a wonderful again healing work that we get to do so I'm excited about it I, I'm sorry I talk too much David <laughs> I'll be quiet
0: I think it's great uh, and I um, I understand that uh, yoga for war, yoga fit for warriors is quite big in the u.s it's quite yeah. and it's established in Eastern Canada now right uh, and um, the um, uh, Lisa is it Lisa
1: Lisa Greenbaum and um, she is uh, the Executive of YogaFit Canada, Uh, she has uh, she went through the Warriors program back earlier this year. The entire we did an intensive in January, and she sat through it and she said, "This is it, Shay. We need this in Canada." There was a lot of issues with the Indigenous population there. Um, There was a lot of um, suicide and EMTs, and the recognition that you know if you're going to go be an EMT. Uh, A natural hazard of doing that job is PTSD. that was wonderful that they made that that clear connection you can't wait for someone to self-identify i mean you have to know that certain jobs come that's part of the danger of certain jobs if we just acknowledge it then we just it's it's better than going waiting for people to go i need help that's not a great plan because the ego mind doesn't want to do that so we have to just make it a part of the deal right we just cannot wait
0: so she's trying to bring it into western canada now as well
1: Absolutely. So she's doing the, um, I'm, I'm actually coming back to Toronto in October, um, leading the kids warriors in addiction and recovery. I'm sorry, mood balancing. I take that back. And then she's running the whole program again in January. But all of a sudden I looked at her calendar and, um, she has warriors almost every weekend in September all over the place. Um, the workshops are expanding there. Um, it's going to be a wonderful, I'm excited for Canada about it. Lisa's excited about it. And just the, um, The time is ripe; Like it just is the right time for this understanding to get out there.
0: I also know that it's it's used by a number of treatment centers in the U.S. and in eastern Canada as well. Uh, There's a couple now using it and finding it very uh, positive for their clients.
1: Yes. There is one in particular, um, we have had incredible success in the world of addiction and recovery. I mean, that's why we have the workshop. But because the addiction and recovery world, as you know, um, doesn't have exactly a very strict protocol when it comes to, you have to follow this, this, and this, right? They know, and they've known for a long time, and the 12 steps have been brilliant at helping this already... just be an established thing in the addiction recovery world. We just have to expand it. You have to get them into community. You have to get everybody into this idea of uh, swimming together, right? Get in the same boat with other people doing the same thing. And that it's not just to come in for a couple of days. It's usually a 30-day or longer program, right? We have to have these intense, you know, jump into the deep water. And there's more leeway with money. And I know that sounds interesting. Just like I was talking with the VA, um, people, unfortunately, or... (laughs) Uh, Or fortunately, maybe have to pay out of pocket a lot of times to go to in residence programs. And these programs aren't really regulated, at least in America very well, they can do a lot of different things, a lot of experimental things that has that can be for the good. I mean, of course, there's news stories about how that doesn't go work so well when they're not regulated and no one really watching them. But on the good side, they can come in and say, okay, we're going to do yoga. We're going to make you do yoga every day. <laughs> I mean, not make you. They still have the option. But um, So that's where we've been more successful in getting our foot in the door it's because of the leeway in the system that you can bring in things like yoga into addiction recovery. They're like, yeah, bring it on. We just want to try everything possible because it's so challenging because the recovery rates are 7%. Across the board, at any addiction recovery center, no matter what they say, 7% are going to come out and make it. That's it. <laughs> so if you got, I mean, that's okay. We'll take that 7%. But my gosh, we need every new tool out there. So they're, they're willing to bring us in. And our, oh, I have some great um, stats that did some research on it over the last year. We had a trainer leading it at a women's only recovery center. And where we found the most impact, which was the most exciting, uh, was in the area of cravings. Cravings, yes, and that's the hardest. Everybody will say it's the cravings part of it. That's of course the dopamine response, so the you know operant conditioning, the learned behavioral response of it, the drug seeking behavior, had the biggest impact on the craving part. We knew we had something because that's the thing that they have the hardest time with. So of course we reduce anxiety, we re- reduce chronic pain, uh, we reduce depression. But what we really reduced was the cravings. And that was so exciting. And so we have had a big impact there, and I'm just thrilled for it. I mean, we we have lots of people doing work all over the the world in wonderful places, but that's the one where we have some research that kind of shows that it works.
0: So um, we need to wrap up soon, because I know you have children (laughs) waiting.
1: Yes, they're being quiet, which is probably not a good sign.
0: (laughs) What? Um, Can you sort of... Is there one or two examples of people that you've personally have observed as really transforming and coming from a place of a darkness, a real deep place of darkness, to moving towards light and acceptance and
1: you know, I have I have so many. Um and I don't want I I wanna be very careful, I'm very upfront here. Um this is not about me. This is not about what I've done for them at all. Uh, there's, we have so many brilliant trainers, too, by the way, who do amazing work. It's more just to what, I, what we end up seeing is we witness this transformation like a butterfly coming out of its cocoon. And like you said, they're in a very dark place. Um, and so we hold we, we what it feels like is you're just what an honor and what a what a. God, what a gift to witness that coming out. And I've seen it happen like that. I wish I knew how to make that happen. I don't. What I do know is that we can create the right conditions for that to happen. I think we have the best way to do that. Or at least I have some really good ideas on it. And it seems to work. And these people, I just had it in Toronto, at can fit pro and, uh, uh, from the military in Canada, um, this female officer, she came to the training and, and I knew she had been through a lot of trauma in her life. All of them have, I will tell you that I assume that coming in, <laughs> I assume that truthfully with all my yoga students, but she came in and I knew it. And I just, and she, and she was in this interesting place. And, um, there was something on day two, Something happened. I don't know what that is. I just don't. And when it was after a class I taught, a master class, and she came up to just tears, streaming. And I was like that's a that's a wonderful moment the barometric pressure shifts you see them shift from this high place because energy go up here to this very low grounded place and it, and it's beautiful tears it's cathartic tears and and I just want to catch them because there's some kind of magic in that right like magic beans okay these tears are the salt of the earth and she said I have to tell you change me Shay. mind body spirit I don't know what it is I'm different I've changed and I I said well all I know is I'm seeing that, I'm feeling it. There's a new awareness that wasn't there before, that's there. There's a shedding of this hard armor, this layer that's not there anymore. And it happened like that. And I and I just said, Don't please don't give me the credit. Um, I didn't do that to you. You you did that. You were ready for it. Um, I'm I'm just grateful that it happened here with me as a witness. And so what we learned to be as really good witnesses. I'll have to be honest, is that it's about our work. If you if we want to do this healing path, it is not easy it is bearing the cross um, because you have to wake up and do the work every single day I don't have a prescription um, I don't have a certain protocol now I have a recipe for success that I follow and it in the first place I started with me in my own mirror every single morning every single day and and that's what is required here if you want to do this you know as a on the healing path um, because that's all we're doing is we're, we're trying to invite more people to the table there's lots of there's lots of room here but um, we're, we just have to invite them in, from a different place, from a place of our own understanding. You know, when we, remembering when we weren't at the table, what, what got to us? What brought me to the table? Um, and so it's just a beautiful thing to behold. I have so many other, I mean, I have lots, lots of stories of lots of military, a lot of first responders, uh, their transformations. I have people who are off pain medications for the first time. Of course, substance abuse, it decreases or goes away. Um, the need for prescription pills. The pain is gone. Maybe at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about. This, this pain, this, this common human condition um, that we can re- all relate to, and that is a pain of some sort. And so that that diminishes, or it's seen in a different light. It's a seen in a light of understanding, so the people aren't suffering as much. Anyways, thank you for asking that because it's it is such a beautiful thing. But I wish I could tell you do this, this, and this, and you're going to get this. But, but I can't. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, and the secret of life is, no, I don't got
0: that. <laughs> well, Shah, you know, I think we're all here to serve in some way. Uh, even if it's being a good server of a good cappuccino, I tell you, I really appreciate a good cappuccino. <laughs> that is important. <laughs> uh, but you, you've obviously have chosen right livelihood, as the Buddha would say. Um, yeah. uh, and you must get a great... Deal of reward and satisfaction for that. So yes. I, you know, I congratulate you and I commend you and I think it's wonderful and thank you for the opportunity of uh, being able to chat to you on this podcast.
1: Oh, thank you, David. I what an honor and a privilege. I'm just so grateful for it and to speak to another person, another human who is doing this healing work um, is off is just so right here. It gets me right here because sometimes you feel alone, right? And people are in the darkness and they're alone. Um, The message is you're not alone. healers feel that way too, but people who are doing this work, they're all out there by themselves and boy, are they chopping wood and carrying water as the Buddha say every single day, but you're not alone. Um, There's so many of us there with you and we care about you. We love you. Um, You're never alone. So thank you, David. You remind me I'm not alone either. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Comeback Journeys in Recovery with David Shadbolt. For more podcast episodes and blog posts, or to subscribe to my newsletter, please visit www.peaksymmetry.com. Peak, P-E-A-K, Symmetry, S-Y-M-M-E-T-R-Y.com. Subscribers to the Peak Symmetry newsletter will receive a free download of a guided meditation. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes. Thanks for listening.